Amen. Welcome. Good to see you this morning. We're so glad that each of you are here. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 2, which is where we're going to get our start this morning for our Sunday school lesson. As I mentioned to you on Wednesday night, I'm going to be speaking this morning about UFOs and extraterrestrial life. And I think that generated a little bit of curiosity. I had quite a few comments. And some of you may be wondering, why in the world is Pastor talking about this? Um, just, the, just to put it plainly, because this is what people in the world are interested in. And many, many people believe in and are caught up in examining the different experiences that other people have had, and they talk a lot about UFOs and alien life. Just a couple weeks ago, we were in Harlem doing evangelism, the very first man that my son and I encountered, and we had a gospel conversation with him, and along in the course of that conversation, he made the statement that he believed that human life came from aliens, that aliens had come to this planet and had uh, put the seeds of human life here and that it wasn't necessarily God that created, and it wasn't evolution, it was actually aliens who brought about life on this planet. Later in the conversation, he said that he didn't believe in aliens. So I'm not sure which of those is true, but he certainly had some interesting things to say. And this is not an unusual conversation. The very well-known atheist and physicist Stephen Hawking's was well known for his conversations about aliens. He was quite afraid before he died that the human race would actually succeed in making contact with uh, extraterrestrial life and that the result would be destruction to the human race. And he was advising against that. Uh, So lots of people talk about this. Colossians chapter 2, let's look at verses 8 through 10 as an introduction, and then we're going to come back to the scriptures a little bit later in the lesson. The Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. There's a warning, a very plain and serious warning in verse number 8 that we must be cautious lest we be spoiled of that which we have received in Christ. And the idea of being spoiled means to be robbed, to have uh, something stolen from you. And certainly there are many philosophies and many ways of thinking, many worldviews that are prevalent uh, in the world around us, in the culture around us, This idea of UFOs and extraterrestrial life is just one of them. You may have noticed in the news that just last week the Pentagon announced that they would be launching a website for the purpose of releasing declassified photos, videos, and information to the public public from military encounters with possible UFOs. And the supposition is that they have weeded out the things that are clearly explainable, and the things that they're going to be releasing are things that are not able to be explained. At a recent hearing this summer before Congress, several military members spoke out about their experiences as witnesses of UAPs. These are objects that are not immediately identifiable and that exhibit behaviors that are not consistent with human life. These are professional members of the military who gave witness before the highest legislative branch in our country about the fact that they have seen and witnessed things that they cannot explain. Frequent specials run on the History Channel and other such news-type sources that highlight the experience of some with what they believe to be extraterrestrial life. We could say that there's a huge fascination with this type of phenomenon, and it does seem fairly frequent, with many people convinced 
that they have been witnesses of UFOs or extraterrestrial life. Witness accounts abound of encounters and alien abductions and strange phenomena that people have been witnesses of. And then, as Christians, we often have conversations with people who want to talk about these things and are curious if the Bible addresses the issue of extraterrestrial life. So it's wise for us to think carefully about our response. For instance, as Christians, to simply dismiss all this as make-believe makes people in the world think Christians aren't serious with dealing with things that are really going on. When you have, for instance, the military talking about experiences that they're having, when you have uh, people giving testimony and lots and lots of witnesses to phenomenon, we need to think carefully about this scripturally because many people are convinced that something is out there. And the question is, what is it? Now, we also have popular culture which plays into this with popular television shows and movies that glamorize this sort of thing, Star Wars and Star Trek and uh, E.T. and these sorts of movies and shows that glamorize this idea of humans on this planet making contact with life from other places in the universe. So let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, let's ask the question, what is a UFO? And I think you know, but in case you don't, uh, this stands for an unidentified flying object. It's a, it's a, the military is, is passionate about taking terms and reducing them to letters, and then, and then that becomes the term. And so I believe they're the ones who came up with this. It is an unidentified flying object. Do you know, for instance, that there are thousands of these reports every year in the United States alone of unidentified flying objects? Many of them can be explained, but some of them cannot. And obviously, you would say, well, how can they be explained? Well, obviously, there are experimental military aircraft that no one knows about that can do things that I doubt if we could even imagine. And, and I think... Uh, that you understand what I'm saying there. Uh, Obviously, the military is not going to say, oh, no, that's one of our experimental aircraft that was doing that. Uh, So that would be a possible explanation. Uh, Also, there are things that can appear in the sky as a result of planetary movements or comets and asteroids and meteors and that sort of thing, and sometimes people can become confused by something that they saw. But even taking all these things into account there does seem to be the presence of things that cannot be explained. And UFOs are intriguing to people because they seem to give the promise of extraterrestrial life. So it's not necessarily the unidentified flying object. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. No, uh, it's not the unidentified flying object that is the appeal It is the promise that perhaps there are other life forms in other places, and this is what draws people in. And in fact, many people believe that the earth cannot be the only planet with life on it, and surely there must be life in other places in the universe. And of course, as I've already mentioned, popular culture really thrives on this, and many people are... uh, Uh, They're thirsty for this kind of knowledge or this kind of understanding. There must be something that is out there. Do you know that even much of the NASA program is built on the premise of finding life on other planets? And I'll just take uh, a little detour here. It's so ironic to me that scientists today will get absolutely ecstatic about finding possibly indications that water existed on Mars at one time, which may be an indication that perhaps there could be life supported somewhere there on Mars, and they, they speculate and speculate and speculate, and much of this is speculation, and yet the same type of people can't seem to understand that a living human organism inside the womb of a woman that has a beating heart and 
all of the all of the functions of human life cannot be classified as life. Does that seem ironic to you? All right. So they're looking. They're trying to find. They believe that maybe there's something out there, and they're looking for it. Uh, there there are these these telescopes that listen for radio signals, and they're trying to receive communication from outer space, hoping that somehow whatever is out there is trying to contact us. There are people who are trying to send signals out there, hoping that whatever's out there will hear what we're trying to communicate and receive, or receive that and send communication back. There's lots and lots of people who are giving their life to this sort of thing. So these UFOs give the promise of extraterrestrial life, of perhaps there is life in other places in the universe. Perhaps we are not alone, which I'm not sure why we talk about being alone. All you have to do is go to New York City and realize that we are not alone. We're, 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 there's a lot of us here on this planet. There's plenty, there's plenty of company to, to be had. And we're, we're looking for more company, I guess. All right, so the UFOs, then along with that, it, it starts to get weirder. And this is where you know, a lot of these television programs tend to talk about people who've had experiences with alien abductions. And they're absolutely convinced that they have been abducted by aliens. Sometimes they believe they've been taken to another planet. Sometimes they believe they've been taken into a spaceship. Sometimes they believe that those aliens have overpowered them and done something to them wherever it was that they encountered them. And many people claim to have had these kind of interactions with alien life forms. And along with this, abduction usually goes some sort of abuse by these aliens. And, I mean, you should be aware there's, there's massive conferences in the United States that are held on an annual basis where people get together and they talk about these experiences they, they share the things that they believe have happened to them. There's, there's, of course, been documentaries made and books written and all kinds of things that appear in the media about these supposed alien abductions. Now, just so that I'm clear and so that you're not confused about what I'm saying, I do not believe that people are being abducted by extraterrestrial life forms. I, I don't believe that they're being abducted by, by uh, people or creatures from other planets that are coming here to visit us. At the same time, these people are having some kind of an experience. So what are the possibilities for this experience? And I'm not here to argue about this, but I'll just throw out three possibilities that could be going on. One is some sort of human involvement and abuse, and it's been suggested that this could actually be taking place through the military, doing testing on people and, for instance, psychological warfare and all this sort of thing. And lest you think that the government and the military would not involve themselves in such things, there's a long history of this sort of thing actually taking place. It's very interesting. I won't get into all the details of this, but it is interesting, the overlap between the psychological warfare and interrogation testing that is approved and vetted by the military that has taken place in years past and some of the names that come up along with these supposed alien abductions. And so uh, there could be something like that. You know, people, there are evil people, and people will sometimes take advantage of other people. This might be uh, just someone who wants to take advantage of another person, and they provide them with some sort of an experience, and that person is convinced that they have had an encounter with aliens. I think a second possibility is there's a lot of people who are having hallucinations from drug abuse. And with the prevalence, the wide prevalence of mind-altering drugs... Many people are having quote-unquote experiences, and those experiences can be prompted by the drugs that they're using. A third possibility, which I think is very, very likely, is that people are having interactions with the demonic world. 
They're having interactions with the spiritual world. And by the way, the third possibility plays closely in to the second possibility. Because when people shut off their autonomous decision-making process with the use of drugs, they open themselves up to spiritual exposure to a world that does exist. And there is, in fact, demonic interaction. That, that means demons interact with human beings, and human beings interact with demons, and I'll demonstrate that to you in a little while. So I believe that some of what is talked about, and, and a fourth possibility, which isn't in my notes, is just that people are making things up. And so there's lots of people who will make things up for sensationalism or to get attention, and they'll, they'll make up things, and, and of course, that you know they want to be on TV or whatever, write a book, and so they'll talk about things like that. And of course, there's lots of that that goes around. Uh, I think Brother Wyatt when, when he was doing his presentation the other night, you know, the, the preacher in Africa who went to hell and, and came back to tell everybody about it, and he conquered, he conquered Satan, so, you know, good news, the, the battle's over. Um, he went to heaven, and, and he, he had some selfies to prove it, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So there's, there's lots of people out there who will make things up, and, and that could be part of what is going on. Now, Let's ask the question then, why is there so much interest in these things? Why is it that people are intrigued by UFOs and extraterrestrial life and the possibility that there might be some other planet where there's people living? Why is it that people have an interest in it? Well, first of all, people are just curious. They're curious about things that are not understood. That's very common. We're all curious if, there, if something comes across our radar that we don't understand, we tend to want to know what that is. I, I don't understand that. Explain that to me. W- what am I seeing? If, if, for instance, if you were driving in the countryside late at night and you saw a bright light in the sky, you would probably want to know, what is that? That's kind of strange. Is that a plane? Is that a satellite? Is, is that a UFO? Your curiosity would would be aroused at that time, and you would want to know what took place. Lots of people, for instance, are extremely curious about what happened in Roswell, New Mexico, and there's all kinds of speculation about what took place and, and, and what actually was going on, and then there's all these witnesses who said, well, I saw this, and I saw this, and that makes people curious. What's, what's going on? Is something being hidden? Is there something that's out there that we're not being told about? So human curiosity is, uh, it goes without saying, people want to know about these things. I think a second reason why people are so interested in UFOs and extraterrestrial life is because people are desperately trying to answer the basic questions of life. And the basic questions of life, which philosophers have wrestled with for generations, for centuries, are questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And many people don't have good answers for those questions. They really are struggling with the answers to these things. For instance, um, you know, some famous evolutionists are, are fond of saying that they couldn't accept that God created the world, but they would definitely consider the possibility that aliens have come and seeded life here on this planet. So while they will reject the knowledge of God, they would be open to the idea that aliens came here and started life. And you say, why is that? Because it's not satisfying to say we're a cosmic accident. We came from nowhere. Random, random chance, at, chance and process is what caused us as a human race to result. That's not very satisfying, and most people deep down inside are not satisfied with that answer. So they're trying to answer these kinds of questions. They're, they're trying to answer questions regarding the purpose of life. I mean, is this all there is to life? Is it, is it just come here and you're on this planet and you work a job and you buy a house, and you raise a family, and then you die, and then what happens? I mean, is this what life is all about? And many people are terribly confused 
about the purpose of life. And then even beyond that is the question, where am I going? Is there something that is beyond this life? Is there a hope that I could live forever? Is there a hope that I could extend my life? Perhaps there are, are, there's some other life form out there that has the answer to longevity or even to eternal life. And so there's this desire to be connected to something that is bigger than what we know. Many people are dissatisfied, rightfully so. Many people are dissatisfied with living life according to what is under the sun. They're looking at all the things that are around them and they're saying, this is all that there is to life. Maybe if there's some other race of beings that is out there, they could provide us with insight. Maybe they're farther down the evolutionary trail. Maybe uh, they know some things from their perspective that we don't know and can shed some light on our confusion. Many people, I believe, are drawn with interest to these things because they're trying to answer these questions, but in many cases, they've ruled out the Bible as a possibility for having those answers. Now, just another thing that I want to mention before we move on to what the Bible says, and it's to answer this question, what is the theme of alien or UFO messaging that has been communicated by those who've been supposedly abducted or had interactions with these alien life forms? And what you'll find, and there's, there's Christian researchers who have dug into this to find some, some threads of commonality, some consistency, and, and what they find across the board is that people who claim to have had interactions with these alien life forms, with these extraterrestrial life forms, almost always speak about the messaging in this way. Almost always the messaging is against Christianity and the Bible, but it's not antagonistic to other religions. So it's almost always against the Bible. For instance, there's, there's much misdirection concerning Jesus. Sometimes these supposed alien life forms will speak about Jesus being one of us. He was one of us. He was an extraterrestrial life form, and he came to earth, and he was actually there interacting with you, but he wasn't one of you. He was one of us. So this is kind of a common theme. And often this misdirection takes away from either Jesus' absolute deity or his humanity or both. Both of which, his deity and his humanity, both of which are biblical doctrines at the heart of salvation and the gospel. So there's a lot of misdirection concerning Jesus. The second thing that is consistent about this messaging is that it often focuses on human evolution and the ability of man to improve into godhood. So there's this promise or this idea that people can develop beyond what they are and they can become something greater, something bigger, something more significant, something more advanced, uh, as it were, a form of deity. A third aspect is that there are many similarities existing between these supposed UFO abduction reports and satanic worship rituals. There's a lot of things that overlap between those two things. And you say, why is that? That's kind of bizarre. And I don't encourage you to dig into this or to try to get to the bottom of, of all of this. It gets into a very strange and murky world that I don't think we as Christians need to be getting our minds into these sorts of things. But just understand that there is some consistency between what we are told and what we know about satanic worship rituals and what is said about what happens in these supposed alien abductions. Supposedly, these alien life forms promise a path to a transcendent destiny. They're assuring people that there's something beyond what this material world offers. And another interesting thing is that the messaging that comes across in these supposed alien abductions is it, it has this decidedly Gnostic foundation. And if you've heard that term before, Gnosticism, 
It's a doctrine that was opposed to Christianity, which was prevalent as far back as the time of the Apostle Paul. Much of what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Colossians was a direct confrontation against the doctrines of Gnosticism. And, and basically, there's a lot of things about Gnosticism, but basic, basically Gnosticism promises that there is some kind of a secret knowledge that the average person does not have, but you would be privileged to get. And if you get this secret knowledge that's not readily available, it's only really accessible through a connection with the divine, a connection with the spirit world. If you get this special knowledge, then you'll be better equipped. You will yourself be able to grow into a place of deity or godhood. And so uh, this messaging that comes through these alien abductions is is just that. It's consistent with Gnosticism, which is ironic because that was perhaps the very first doctrinal system that came as a direct assault against Christianity, and it's still around. By the way, Gnosticism and the basic tenets of Gnosticism exist in almost all of the cults as well. And it's an interesting study. All right, so we suffice it to say, okay, there's people who've had experiences. There's people who have seen things. There is an inherent curiosity about is there something out there that is beyond what we experience and what we know here on this planet. Are we going to travel in spaceships one day? So I'm fond of saying, I I like planet Earth. I have no desire to travel to Mars and live on Mars. Even if NASA figures out a way to make a colony on Mars, you will never, ever find me going there. You say, well, what about missions? Uh, We'll send a Bible with them. We'll pray for one of them to get saved. God put us on this planet for a reason, and I, I like this planet. There's plenty to, to discover and explore here on this planet without going into outer space. Not interested in that, all right? So uh, that's just my default setting. Maybe you say, well, I've always wanted to be an astronaut. Good for you. That's, that's wonderful. I, I hope, I, I wish you the best. Write me a letter and let me know how it goes, okay? But now we want to really talk about what does the Bible say? Does the Bible address this issue of UFOs, extraterrestrial life? By the way, there seem to be indications going back into antiquity that people have had interactions with life forms that they believed were not from this planet. And so this seems to be an ancient theme, seems to be something that is around. So let me preface everything that I'm going to say, and we're going to look at a a number of scriptures now, But let me preface everything that I'm going to say with this statement. Do I believe that people have experiences? Yes. What do I believe those experiences are? Well, I've already addressed some of that. But when people have these, what they believe are genuine experiences, I do believe that people are having experiences with the spiritual world. The spiritual world is just as real as the physical world. All right, so now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at a number of different verses, and and let's consider what the Bible says that applies to this topic. There is a real spiritual world, and this spiritual world interacts with our physical world. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, "...for we wrestle not against flesh and blood..." but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now just analyze that verse for a moment and think about what it's saying. Of course, this is set in the context of us putting on the armor of God and being prepared for spiritual warfare. We're reminded that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. We're not battling against men and women. We're not battling against other human beings. We're battling against spiritual forces. These spiritual forces are described as principalities and powers. This speaks of their authority and their ability. They are spoken of in verse 12 as rulers of the darkness of this world. We know there is darkness in this world, 
We're told that Jesus is the light of the world, and we're told that we are to shine the light. We are to let our light so shine, but that's because we live in a dark world. But this darkness is ruled over by spiritual authorities, and these spiritual authorities we propose to you are demonic in nature. This is spiritual wickedness in high places. So high places is not necessarily referring to altitude, but it is referring to authorities. And so there is great spiritual wickedness. Don't be surprised, for instance, if it seems like people who are in some of the highest authorities in countries in this world are doing unbelievably unspeakable types of things. Where does that come from? There is spiritual wickedness that's going on. It's demonic in its nature. It's influenced by demonic forces. This is what we're wrestling against. Remember 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. It's familiar to you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now we know, the Bible tells us in fact that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Satan is able to appear as an angelic being. He's able to to convey a message that would say to someone who encounters him, this is a good guy. This is one of God's angels. This is is someone that I can trust. See, we, we have this wrong, this very mistaken idea about Satan in our culture, that he always appears in an evil way. That, that you know, there's like fire and brimstone coming off of his body and he's carrying a pitchfork and he's all red and has horns. That is not typically how Satan appears to men. Rather, he appears as an angel of light. Why would that be? Well, it has to do with his strategy, which we'll talk about in just a moment. The book of Job gives us some insight in the first chapter or two about the spiritual world and what some of these deceiving spirits are up to. All through the scriptures, we find that there is an interaction between the spiritual world and the physical world. In fact, right now, there's an overlay of the the spiritual world and the physical world. We're, We're aware, because of what the Bible says, we're aware that the spiritual world is there. Right now, we're existing and, and carrying on our lives in the physical world, but there's a spiritual world that surrounds us, even at this moment. Even at this moment, we know that that spiritual world is real. That spiritual world is made up of the ministering spirits that are faithful to God and the deceiving spirits that are against the plan and the will of God. And that spiritual world is something that we encounter. It's something that we interact with. And we need to be aware of that. For instance, in the Gospels, think about how many times the Scriptures talk about Jesus encountering these demonic spirits. Jesus would, he went to Gadara. There's a man who is acting out of his mind. He's completely insane and nobody can control him. And so Jesus comes and he confronts the demonic spirits that have taken over that man He cast them out. Uh, The name of the the demon was Legion, which seems to indicate that it was more than one demon that was inside this man. And then these demonic spirits, when they were cast out, asked permission to go into the swine that were nearby. And when they did, they drove the swine off the face of the cliff into the sea. And this man was left sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. We have many, many, many encounters like this where Jesus interacted with the spiritual world that was affecting the physical world. Always these spirits were affecting someone's health, someone's mental health. They were, uh, there were results that were taking place in people's lives, uh, always negative, by the way, from these evil spirits being a part of these individuals' lives. And then Jesus came and he cast these spirits out. We see uh, many, many of these same types of experiences in the book of Acts. So here's the question that I want to ask you this morning. Is it likely 
that there is less influence of the spiritual world today than there was during the time of Jesus? Is it just that we've become more scientific and we're so much more advanced and that's really just for superstitious people and people who aren't superstitious are not going to be affected by these demonic spirits? Or is it that we've explained some of these things away? Perhaps, perhaps many of the things that we medicate for using psychotropic drugs are actually demonic in their origin. Is that a possibility? Based on what the scripture says, that's more than a possibility. It is a probability. So we understand there is a spiritual world. There is interaction that takes place between the physical world and the spiritual world. Today, we should not anticipate that because we live in 2023 in this advanced scientific age that we can just explain away all phenomena. There's got to be a materialistic explanation for that. Why? If we believe in the spiritual world, why do we think that everything has to conform to the laws of the material world? So we should not be surprised if there are things that cannot be explained. I listened to a a short interview of an astronaut. He's an elderly man now. He was part of the Apollo space program. He was one of the men that walked on the moon. He's now a believer in Jesus Christ and has experienced the riches of salvation. He was asked in that interview, have you seen UFOs in your time uh, as an astronaut? He said, absolutely, I've seen them. What do you mean by that? I've seen things that move in ways that no No human could move. Nothing that could be invented by a human could move. It had to be something. So the question was posed, what was that? He didn't even hesitate. They were demons. There's no doubt in my mind because of what he knew about the Bible. All right? So is there a possibility that people are experiencing and seeing some things? It seems too common to just dismiss it and say, well, it's just some kind of a, their imagination. I mean, sometimes it could be that. But there's, there is, I believe, the possibility that people are having real interactions with the spiritual world. The second thing that we want to consider, not only is there a real spiritual world, and the, the spiritual world interacts with the physical world, but the second thing we need to understand is that Satan is actively deceiving men. He is actively deceiving men. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. I'll remind you of what Jesus said. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of of your father ye will do. He was a liar from the beginning. Satan has always been a liar. Since he rebelled against God and was cast out of the presence of God... His modus operandi is he tells lies. He deceives. He is a very good liar, not good in the sense of beneficial, but very skilled at his lying. And what is interesting to me is that Satan almost never changes his lies. The same lies that people are being fooled with today you can find in the scriptures from centuries ago, and ancient humans were deceived by those very same lies. So you say, well, why doesn't he change his lies? Why isn't he more careful about it, more cunning? He doesn't have to, because we're fooled so easily by his lies. First John chapter 5 and verse number 7, that's not the right passage. That's a good one, but it's not the right passage. All right, let me see if I can find the right passage. I have it in my notes, but I'd like you to see it for yourself. Oh, boy. All right, I'm going to read the verse to you, and you can look for it in a little while. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh... This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So listen to that again. Many deceivers are entered into the world. 
You should be very careful about the things that you are hearing and believing because there are many things that sound like truth that are not truth. There are many deceivers. And what you'll find is that that is almost always going to center around the person of Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished. So this is the spirit of Antichrist. And that spirit of Antichrist comes from Satan himself. We know that Satan's goal is to distract and to deter from the gospel. He wants to minimize the gospel. He wants to keep men from coming into relationship with God through redemption that is available through Jesus Christ. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 and think about Satan's interaction with Adam and Eve in the garden. All of his interaction was built on deception. And something to be very understanding of or very careful about is that Satan has this unbelievable ability to take a a nugget of truth and twist it just enough that it's no longer true, but it's quite deceptive. And I'll point out to you just another thing. Remember what I said about the messaging of alien abductions and UFOs is often built on this premise that, that you could reach godhood? Isn't it interesting that in the Garden of Eden, that's exactly what Satan told Adam and Eve? That if they would disobey God, God knew that they would become like gods. That they would be able to reach deity themselves. So he has, Satan has this consistent messaging. And that messaging is heard in many different places today. One of which is through these supposed alien encounters. So when we think about then Satan's interaction with Jesus. When, when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness... It was all based on deception. And he would take quotes from the scripture and tempt Jesus with those quotes by taking them out of context or misquoting them. He's very skilled at doing this. So understand that there's a real spiritual world and that as we encounter that spiritual world, Satan is actively deceiving men. I would go so far as to say the primary source of Satan's power is the power of deception. So a lot of times we think about Satan having this smash-bang kind of power, like he can really appear and explode things and do dramatic stuff, but really his power is in his deception. His power is in the lies that he tells, which, which then tells you something about why the truth is so important for us. Third of all, a third biblical truth that I want to point out to you is nowhere in the scriptures is there an indication of any other planet where God placed life. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is the creation story. And what we find is that God put all of his attention on this planet that we call earth. He made one human race. Now we know that there are angelic beings, which also were created by God for a certain purpose, But other than that, this is it. This is the only planet, apparently, that God created to support life. He did all of this for a certain purpose. And my question for you is, why would God not have told us this information in the Bible if he had actually made life on other planets and if this life would be pertinent to us, if this life would be important for us to understand? Why wouldn't he have told us this? Wouldn't these other life forms also need to be saved? So would that mean that Jesus would need to go to those planets also and die as a sacrifice? Or would we expect those other planets, those other life forms to be sinless? You you see what I'm saying? It falls down biblically from what we know. If we think about systematic doctrine, theology, there, there, there is no space in the scriptures to have some other planet where God has placed life. By the way, he's, he's apparently also not going to allow you to have your own planet and repopulate that planet uh, for yourself. So uh, contrary to the teaching of the, of the Mormon group, uh, that's not going to happen. All of God's attention is put upon 
this planet where he has focused his creative power and his redemptive power, and God has expressed his desire to be in fellowship with men. So this is what we find, which is the, the, the whole counsel of Scripture. A fourth truth that I want to point out to you is God's truth is worth clinging to. 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn over there with me, 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember that one of the appeals of extraterrestrial life is that people are really hoping, well, maybe they'll have the answers. Maybe they'll be able to explain things to me that I've always wanted to know. Maybe, maybe they'll have a better solution to life and be able to explain the purpose for living and, and these sorts of things. Well, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what we notice in these verses is that God has given us, as his children, everything that we need. We don't need to go out into the universe and look for some other truth source that will be able to inform us of something that we need to know that we don't have. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And where is that found? It's found in his divine promises. So God's word is sufficient for us. God's truth is worth clinging to. Sometimes it would be better for us to sink our energy into learning what God says instead of trying to learn some new thing. You might also, I'll just point this out, all of the new things are just the rehashed old things. So it's just the old stuff repackaged and represented as something that is new. It's not new at all. It's either truth or error. And the error is constantly repackaged and represented as some kind of a new thing. Wow, this phenomenal thing that you've never known or heard before. And all it is is just the old lies repackaged and told all over again. If you're a Christian, I'm going to go so far as to say you don't need to seek to have an interaction with extraterrestrial life. There's nothing that they have to offer you. In, in fact, if they are, in fact, these, these encounters that people are having, if they are demonic in origin, why would you as a Christian want to have that kind of an interaction? Why would you want to seek after something that is coming from the deceiver instead of the truth of God. Now, lest this alarms you, I'll remind you of 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In my preparation and study for this lesson, I found that there are evidently stories of people who gave testimony of being repeatedly abducted by aliens and of these kinds of alien abductions running in their family, something that happened repeatedly through generations. And then that individual heard the gospel and put their faith in Jesus Christ and the abductions immediately stopped. Now, isn't that interesting? If, in fact, the premise is that perhaps these are demonic in origin, that would be clear because you understand that if you belong to God, Satan has no power over you. He has no ability over you. So we don't have to be worried. So, you know, some of the young men, you know, we're going to have a camping trip later in the week. Don't worry about aliens showing up in the campsite or anything like that. If you're a child of God, you're safe in him. We need not fear these things that are in the world. But I want to close with this thought. As we, as we interact with people, it's not going to be unusual for us to have people ask us, well, what do you think about UFOs and alien interactions? And so our tendency is, and, I, and I'm not opposed to, depending on the situation, I'm not opposed to just saying outright, it's, it's demonic interaction. I, I don't believe in these extraterrestrial life forms. I think there's a place to say that. I think there's also a place before you say that, because that's usually a conversation killer. 
if the person is curious about it and you just tell them that what they're curious about is demonic in nature, probably the end of the discussion, you might instead ask them a question, well, what is it that interests you about extraterrestrial life? What is it that draws you to explore this? And, and just listen to what they have to say. There's not that many possible answers that they could share with you. And it's likely that one or part of their answer is going to be something about, well, I'm just looking for something that is bigger than what we see and what we know in this life. Now, that's, a, that's an immediate stepping stone then to say, well, actually... There is something that's really clear that you can interact with that is much bigger than what this world is all about. Could I, would you be interested if I could share that with you? And then you may have an opportunity to share with them the truth of the scripture. Because all the things that alien or extraterrestrial life and UFOs promise are actually the things that God promises. And God can keep his promises. These extraterrestrial life forms or these demonic encounters, they cannot keep their promises because it's all built on deception. But God keeps his promises. God can give purpose. God can help people to understand who they are. God's word tells us where we came from, and God's word reveals to us where we're going. We can find the answers that we're looking for in God's word. We don't need to look elsewhere for that type of information. And so you can encourage people as you have these interactions, you may have opportunities to share with them the truth that you have found and how it has changed your life. What about UFOs and extraterrestrial life? Well, I think it's clear enough to me that there's not such a thing as life on another planet, but there is definitely a spiritual world. And many people are interacting with that spiritual world probably much more than we have ever thought or imagined, their thoughts are being shaped by the lies that are told to them from this spiritual world in this physical world. And many people need the light of the gospel so that they can understand the truth and they can see that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. I hope that it will be a help to you as you interact with people in your community, your family, your workplace. Uh, Perhaps God will allow you to have some good conversations. Thank you for your patience, and we're so glad that each of you are here. We're going to go ahead and be dismissed just a couple minutes early here. This is a good opportunity for you to use the restroom, and of course, people are coming in. We're preparing for the fellowship that will be taking place after the morning.